0: Greetings this morning in our Lord's name. It's good to be back with you. I uh, would like to say in regards to Welda's passing that you have my wife and I's comfort and thoughts and prayers. I don't think we'll be able to be here tonight, but uh, we do think about and appreciate her... So, uh, God bless you through this time, especially to the family. The loss of a loved one is is not easy many times uh, or ever. But, um, yes, we wish you God's blessing. <clears throat> I'd like to talk to us about truth this morning. Um of entitled the message, What Is Truth. I suppose you could give it numerous titles, but are we diligent in finding what truth is? I'd like to invite you to John chapter 18. Uh, in the beginning here, very familiar passage to us. Jesus is before Pontius Pilate, and you can guess the rest what his words were Pilate but we'll read them again to remind us John chapter 18 and verse 37 Pilate therefore said unto him art thou king then Jesus answered thou sayest that I am a king to this end was I born and for this cause came I into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of truth heareth my voice. Before that, Jesus had in verse 36, he said, my kingdom's not of this world, which made Pilate ask, so then you are a king. And he said, I was born for this reason. And uh, for this reason, uh, reason I came into the world, that I might bear witness to the truth. And so Jesus is the one that has the truth for us. Everyone that heareth him, heareth truth, uh, heareth my voice. Every one of us that are of truth are hearing his uh, voice. And I guess my question to is, us is, are we hearing the truth? Are we uh, adapting to the truth? Uh, today, more than ever, the church is asking, what is truth? And you know, often we are, yes, very often we say, you know, many churches out there don't bear the truth anymore. Uh, we're often to talk about the churches out there. In fact, uh, no offense to the brother that was uh, leading our discussion this morning. I, I noted that one one thing he said, that is not us. Uh, we don't have private jets. No, we don't. Uh, we just have private airplanes. Anyway... Um, But that's what I'm thinking about is often we focus on what's out there. And I'm here to say this morning that I believe we as a Mennonite church, as a conservative church, we are asking the question, what is truth? What is truth? Do we know what is truth? And we're saying, and hearing many voices among our church as to what truth is. So the question comes again, who are we going to listen to? Are we going to listen to Jesus, the truth? Or are we going to bear and go with what maybe other people think? Jesus said, Thou sayest that I am the kin, a king. To this hand was I born to bear witness to that truth. That should move us to ask ourselves, do we know the truth? Do we have it? Turn with me to John chapter 14. A couple chapters back from here. <clears throat> I want to read um, verses 1 through 6 here. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, There you may be also, and whither I go, ye know the way. Ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. How can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I will stop there. Um, I want to look at these three particular things that Jesus says. He is the way and the truth. And I'm going to mostly focus on truth, but I want to look at the other two as well. Um, And I think as we think about the way, I would like to go to John chapter 10. I think in some ways makes it even clearer what Jesus was saying when he says, I am the way. If we go to John chapter 10 and verse 7, if I can get to the right place here, then Jesus saith unto them, Verily, verily I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If me by any, if I am the door by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But the hireling, but he that is an hireling and not the shepherd whose own sheep are not, Seeth the wolf cometh, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. I'm going to quit there. Um, Thinking about the way uh, I think this passage makes it even clearer. He is the door. When we think about the door, um, it is a very convenient way of getting in and out of a building, right? So if we didn't have a door in our buildings, it would be very difficult to get in. We'd have to get a ladder, climb up some other way, go through the window, or go through some other entry of way. So he is the door, he's a convenient way of getting to know uh, the way of life, the way. Um, He's talking to his disciples here before he went to the cross. And I think that is significant to them. Um, they may have not understood exactly what Jesus was saying. I am the way. I am the door. I am, uh, what was he talking about? But we looking here at this picture gives us a whole greater view of, Of what Jesus was actually saying when he said I am the way or I am the door Uh, because we're looking back and knowing that Jesus went to the cross and he made that complete sacrifice that we through him can have the life that he talked about in John 14 that we have it more abundantly we have a way of coming to him he made that complete sacrifice that was needed for my sins Uh, He became the way of, of me being cleared of my sins, the terrible sins that I committed before I knew him as Christ, the things that made me guilty before him, and I didn't know what to do with them until I came to Christ and he made that sacrifice and I realized Jesus made a way. He made a door for me to get there. And when he hung on that cross and he cried out, it is finished. I am the way. He was the way. At that point, I had a way. Before that, I didn't. No, the the blood of bulls and goats could not bring salvation to uh, the people then. It was a covering that covered their sins, but it didn't take them away. We can actually know that there is a way and that we have a way of being completely ridded of our sin it's taken away it's taken care of nothing more needs to be done there is only one way and jesus taught us that that there is only one way it is only through him and the thief and the robber want to climb up some other way or try some other things that would bring them to uh, an easier way. Maybe that's what they think. But I want to ask us the question, do we still try to get another way? I know I hear people say, well, I give to the church. I asked one man uh, if he was a Christian. This has been years ago. And his answer was, Well, I give to the church. Well, I was shaking in my boots that day because that was the first time I ever witnessed to somebody in that way. And it was hard for me, so I didn't come back with any answers or any thoughts after that. But that was his thought as he was giving money to the church. Do we think of another way? Do we try the way? Being good, doing good things we honor God with whatever we have, uh, treat people right or give our money for good causes, do good works. Those things that we can think and their works that we have if we're Christians, I believe that. Nothing takes the place of that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, nothing else. He is the only way. And I believe as he says here, I think it's here somewhere, uh, when we have that, we can go in and out of that door. That way, the convenient way of going in and out and have that relationship and find pastor and feed on him the truth. That is the way. i like to also think about the truth. John chapter 17, let's go there, where he is praying for his disciples. And we could, this is sort of breaking into it. Uh, Maybe we'll start in verse 15 here. Um, John chapter 17 and verse 15. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, Even so, I also send them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they may, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Jesus said here, As thou hast sent me into the world, Jesus came from his glory and came to this world to bear truth he also says thy word is truth this is the truth that we live by we certainly should and then as we think about the word sanctify uh, he says I sent them into their, for their sake I sanctify myself that they might be sanctified through the truth that we might be sanctified. And I don't want to look at sanctification a little bit. The word sanctify has two meanings. It signifies to consecrate or to to be separate from the earth in common use and to devote or dedicate to God and his service. Now he was praying for the disciples and I think He specifically was praying for them to be sanctified. Secondly, it also signifies to make holy or pure. The prayer of Christ, uh, I think, may be understood in, in both senses. He prayed that they might be fully consecrated to the work of the ministry and to separate from all worldly concerns. That's what sanctification means. Now, we studied in Sunday school lesson this morning that leadership uh, applies to probably everyone. Somehow we uh, are speaking to others' lives through our life or through our teaching. But I don't want to take away from us as ministers either because I think Jesus was sanctifying his disciples or wanted them to be sanctified and separate from the worldly concerns and to be pure and holy before him as they share the word of truth to everyone else and we need to be the same we need to be sanctified set apart put in a position where we are clean and pure before God before we share with other people I read this quote from, I think it was um, one of the commentators, Adam Clark. I believe is where it came from. A minister who engages himself in worldly concerns is a reproach to the gospel. Um, And he who is not saved from his own sins Yeah, let me read that again. A minister who engages himself in worldly concern is a reproach to the gospel. He who is not saved from his own sin can with bad grace recommend salvation to others. And I think what he's saying is if we get overly concerned about worldly things and put ourselves into that, uh, it it was a, a challenge to me as he says that it is a reproach of the gospel and so if we don't bear that truth and then the one who is not saved from his own sins and I think we can see that happen the truth of the gospel will reach or not go void to the people that hear it regardless of those that bear it God's word will always bring well, we are not go void. People will hear it. It will be truth wherever it goes. And so we need to be careful with being sanctified, set apart. Uh, there's another aspect of truth that I would like to note. Uh, if we are in the truth, it will not be confusing. If we are in the truth, if we have the truth, it will not be confusing to others. Why I believe that we need to make application to Scripture, I think we do. Um, to the world, it should not be a confusing thing, or to anybody, us or to the, the world. If it becomes confusing, it's probably not truth or lacks truth. Jesus said, through that truth, the Father's truth, it is not only according to the truth of God that ministers are to be set apart to the sacred uh, work, but it is from that truth, the word of God, that we need to minister from, according to it, They must preach to others. And so we need to be very careful in what we do. Doctrine that is drawn from, uh, which is not drawn from the truth of God can never save people. Doctrine that we make that is not from the word of God will never save souls. God blesses no word but his own. If it comes from man, it will not be without mixture of error. I do not believe. Only what comes from God is pure, authentic truth. And I think about us, you know, and I think about myself. We might say, well, I believe this. Or, well, I think this. It's a danger in that. We need to come back to the word of God, the truth. That's where we will really find what truth is. Not what I think, not what you think, uh, but what God thinks. Doctrine, which is not drawn from the truth of God, can never save souls, and that's true. Um, only truth can save I had a a little incident with a a person that we were trying to help. And it it brings out this point of truth or error or confusion, whatever. Um, It was said of the Laodicean church uh, in Revelations, I didn't write down that reference, but it says, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of creation of God. I know thy works, and thou art neither hot nor cold. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. This person was saying, uh, he's a cold Christian. I'm saying, do what? He's a cold Christian, but he's hot in the Holy Spirit. Now, is that confusing or what? No, not really. Um, I don't think a Christian's cold. I don't think you'll be a Christian if you're cold. But he said, God would rather have us hot or cold, so he's a cold Christian. No, that doesn't work. Um, so I'm saying that because the things that we say or teach could come confusing if it's not from the word of God I don't think that's from the word that's not what Jesus meant when he was talking to the church there he would rather have us on fire for God hot than anything else and anything less than that is not going to be acceptable with him so let's be careful not to make the word confusing. Hebrews 4, 11 and 12 says, Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God or the truth of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing sunder of soul and spirit and the joints and of the joints of mar, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Here is where we find our power. The word of God, the truth, is quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than a two-edged sword, as it says here. And I always think of this verse when I think of judgment, because I believe God will be able to Divide the truth from error with a two-edged sword, which reminds me of something very, very sharp. It's very precise. And so I believe that's how judgment will be as a discerner of the heart and mind. Here's where we get our power, our strength, our guidance, uh, even down to the thoughts and intents of the heart that's what it'll be and so let's be vigilant in the truth like to also look at he is the life Jesus also said that he is the life I have a couple of quotes here that I liked. life is like a piano the white keys represent happiness the black ones show sadness but as you go through life's journey remember that the black keys also create music and i think what the, the writer is saying there we go through difficult things in life there are sad times in life extremely sad and those are hard times um those are the um What did he say? The black, the sadness. Those are the black. But you know, as we allow God to work in our life through those things, it it also plays a part in our Christian life to make us stronger, to make us more what he wants us to be if we take it and use it to God's glory and give it to him. Uh, When those times come And so uh, Yes Both keys make music Also Your life is like a coin You can spend it Any way you want But only once Make sure you invest it And don't waste it Invest it in something that matters to you And matters for eternity That was from Tony Evans Um Yes, we can only spend it. You only have one life to live and you're only going to get one one chance at it and then it's spent. I like this one too. Life is like a rester. You can have anything you want as long as you're willing to pay the price. And that's true in life too. That was from Moffat, uh, Mackinger, I think, Gura, was a quote she made. As long as you're willing to pay a price. You know, there's a lot of things in life that we uh, do, whether it's good or bad, and the bad things we often pay a price for. And ultimately, if we don't stick in the truth, uh, we're going to pay... A terrible price But I'd like to see what Jesus said In Luke chapter 10 If you want to turn to it Jesus talks to us here Let's see here Luke chapter 10 and verse 25 and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall we do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor is thyself. Love thy neighbor. As he starts out there, thou shalt love the Lord. Also love your neighbors yourself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And then, as we're very familiar with the, uh, the rest of that. Story. What I'd like to look at is Jesus said, what is written in the law, what is the truth? And he gave it to him, love the Lord the God with all thy heart, mind and soul. Everything you've got, put into it. And Jesus said, you are correct, you have it right. This do and thou shalt live. That's life. But the lawyer willing to justify himself said, hmm. he avoided all that loving God with all your heart, mind and soul. And he said, but who is my neighbor? How often do we want to sidetrack from God's word and say, well, I don't know if it really means that. Possibly it could be this. Or possibly we could, um, well, I think we could do it this way. I think that's what the lawyer was doing. He didn't want to do what Jesus said is the right way, and that's life. He wanted to do it his way, and by doing that, he's going to miss the whole point, and certainly we will too if we try any other way we're still a thief and a robber aren't we that's what jesus said if we climb up any other way we are still a thief and a robber all that came before god there and in, in, uh, which one was it john chapter uh 14 all that come before me are a thief and a robber we were a thief and a robber at one time and so If we have not committed to him, we're still that. And still, if we want to justify ourselves in what we're doing when we know it's not quite right, but maybe we could go this way, thats not true. Do we try to dodge dodge the truth on issues and focus on minors, things that don't really matter as much? Um, And everything matters, I believe. Everything that we do and so the lawyer was willing to justify himself to his own devastation John wrote of Jesus in him was life and the life of the light of men when we come to Jesus we get life we have life and The life in Jesus was the light of men. I believe it. when we receive that truth, when we receive that life, it also will light our path in which we walk. It is the light of men. It will show us the direction that we should go. That's what John wrote of Jesus. He was the life. And the life is what is guiding men. John 3.16, let's quote it together, you know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There again, one we've learned probably, maybe one of the first verses we learned in our, our young days that God loved us that God loves the whole world and he wants to to give himself for that, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life, life beyond the grave. I believe Wilde is learning what real life is. Somebody asked the question once of of somebody that nearly died and he had a vision of, of heaven and he said, what was that light, uh, what was that light, was that, uh, I forget exactly how it went, but uh, what it ended up being is life here on earth was nothing compared to the life there. It was much clearer, much richer. Uh, that was real life, not here on the earth. And so everlasting life, life that goes on, completed, John 3, um, 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. A sad scenario. A glorious one for those that are saved, those who know what everlasting life is, but the one that Rejects it, rejects the truth, uh, shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. His word is truth. Here is where we will get our answers. Here is where we will get our direction of life. Matthew 13, um, verse 44. Jesus said, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field. The which when man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly goodly perils who when he hath found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. I believe Jesus is saying, the kingdom of heaven in our heart, salvation is like unto a hid treasure in a field which when we find it, when we find this salvation, we will sell out to him. We will give everything that we have, everything that we have for the kingdom of heaven, for the life in Christ. We will, we will leave nothing unturned. We will, um, We will sell out everything that we have and buy that gold. And as we look in Proverbs many, many times, it says, buy wisdom. Uh, It also talks about truth. Buy it. Cleave to it. Don't let it go. Here's what we want. A goodly peril. When he has found that peril, when we find salvation, he sold all that he had and bought it. That's what we want. That's what we need to do. And as I told him at Mount Hermon, I said, are you willing to do that? Is it too strong to say we are a fool if we don't? The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And that's basically what we'd have to do. If we turn our back on the truth and the way and the life of Christ is... Very, very foolish. Very foolish. That's what the fool said in his heart. There is no God. Let's be strong. Let's be vigilant. Let's do what we need to do to get there. We all want to be together. May God bless you.